the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plane talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections, and I follow his It's direction. Sunday, 4 o'clock, and that means it's the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker, and each Sunday we come to you talking. Well, it's smart plain talk is what it is. It's simple, straightforward. Truth bounded by only the facts. And it's about politics, Israel, and the law. The fundamentals. Foundational values of this country. Things that, well, throughout many of the generations we have felt like are getting away from us. But boy, during this generation, seems to be trumping all the others. Because it sure feels like it's getting away from us. So we try to talk about those issues and we try to have uh, those on the show who affect those issues. And today is no different. We're honored to have a guest, repeat guest, as uh, was on about a year ago, uh, I believe. Congressman Glenn Grossman from the state of Wisconsin, 6th Congressional District, serving as fifth term in Congress, having first been elected in 2014. And he's on uh, three committees, education and the workforce. And importantly, we're going to talk to him today about his work on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability as chairman of the Subcommittee on National Security, the Border, and Foreign Affairs. Critical subcommittee chairman with us today, Glenn Grothman. And in addition, he's on the House Committee on the Budget. Critical committee as well. We welcome him to the Victory Hour, Congressman Glenn Grothman. Glad to be on the show. Thank you, Glenn. You know, it's uh, it's been a difficult uh, 10 years. And you've been there in Congress since 2014, seeing the ebbs and flows. And what we're dealing with today and now is a crisis at our border. And as the chairman of the subcommittee in the House of Representatives that oversees those issues, or at least assesses them for purposes of accountability, what has been going on at the subcommittee level? What have you been doing and I know, you know, we see it every night on TV, 
but maybe you can share something that eh, others haven't heard about. Well, we had a hearing last week in which we tried to get into what are we doing with illegal immigrants once they come in the U.S.? And to set the stage, uh, we right now are having more people come across that southern border every month. We don't have the numbers yet for January, but at least in December, easily more than we've ever had in the past. Uh, we don't have an exact number, but it appears to be at least 370,000 people a month, which is a complete disaster for this country of that 370,000 Eight to 10,000 are what we call unaccompanied minors here without either parent. We still accept them in this country. Um, but in that hearing, uh, we looked at what happens when these people commit crimes. And we heard testimony that they felt the people coming here across the border are committing crimes at three to four times the rate of the native population. In particular, we heard evidence that there was a lot of drug dealing among people coming across the southern border and a lot of sexual assaults, uh, plus all the other problems you'd have with such so many people coming here. Busy driving out. Yeah, and, and, they're, and they're unvetted. They're, 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 uh, nobody knows exactly. who they are. Right, and that's one thing to emphasize. We do have an opportunity, if they have a valid ID, to check, have you committed crimes in the U.S.? Have you committed crimes in Canada? But otherwise... We have no idea whatsoever. We're having an increasing number of people here from China. The last time it was down a border, just at one area the prior month, people came in here from 61 different countries. That's obviously a huge problem. Um, the fact that they do not share about is a huge problem. The fact that so many are coming over here with debts to pay back home would you know, create the possibility for human trafficking, that sort of thing. But among, But above all, you are permanently changing what it is to be an American. We cannot take in that many people. Also, as been mentioned before, bringing across drugs. I talked to someone who was down there recently. You are being able to get a dose of fentanyl for 15 to 20 cents on the southern border. In Wisconsin, where I'm from, you're selling them for 20 bucks. So, you know, the markup from a quarter to a $20 bill. No wonder so many people are bringing fentanyl all over the country. And right now, the Biden administration does not seem to care at all. Their number one thing is get as many people here as possible. As the chairman of uh, the subcommittee on national security and the border, what, I mean, what can you do about this? I know you're holding hearings. Uh, is there an answer? Is there legislation? Is there the power of the purse? What, what can we do? Well, We've got to somehow the administration to act, okay? And there are a variety of ways we can do that. We can hold up appropriation bills. We still haven't completed the budget for the year beginning October 1st. We wouldn't hold up something like uh, the defense. We wouldn't hold up Veterans Affairs. We wouldn't hold up Homeland Security. But I would strongly encourage um, um, Speaker Johnson to hold up some other bills and just tell the American public, we're sorry if part of the government shuts down, but our priority has to be the border. The other big bill is going to cost money. They're trying to through is Ukraine. The U.S. has made a commitment to Ukraine. I think uh, Congressman Johnson is supportive of that. But somehow we've got to get uh, we've got to get an end to all these people coming here. And I believe he has said that he's going to try to prevent any money going from Ukraine until. President Biden closes the border. And it's just not that difficult. 
You know, President Biden keeps lying and saying he's got to work with the Republicans to do that. We'd be happy to work with him, although as of last week, he was refusing to meet with Speaker Johnson. But he'd be happy to meet with him. But he can close that border on his own. There are federal statutes saying that in the event of an emergency and 370,000 well, people what, crossing. That's what Trump did, didn't he? I mean, Trump was right. president. He well, closed he it on his own. He didn't blanket close it, but he did do a stay in Mexico policy. Right. And that's something else. President Biden on his own. He can say, you stay in Mexico pending your hearing. And what will happen is people won't show up in the first place. Yeah. These people are paying twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year to come here from Asia, twelve thousand dollars a year to come here from Central America. They're not going to come here if all they get is stay in Mexico and wait for a hearing in four years. That'd clean up the whole thing like that. But Joe Biden refuses to do it. You know, we're um, uh, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people in a very short period of time, coming into the country, changing economic structures in many of the cities across the country. And it's liberal policies that are doing it. What can the Republican House of Representatives do when they get a bill from the Senate that comes to them that says aid for Israel, which most everybody agrees with uh, and should be handled and dealt with uh, separately and but should be done and not be held up. Uh, closing up the border, which you're talking about, and money necessary to do that. Uh, and Ukraine, which is more uh, controversial and which is the largest amount. What do you do with the Senate bill that's coming over? Well, you've got to tell President Biden we've got to change the part of that bill dealing with the border. The stuff in that bill dealing with the border arguably is worse than current law. I mean, uh, we have got to prevent people from coming across the border. We can't just hire more people to process them quicker. That's no good, right? We can't say it's okay if 150,000 people a month are coming here. And that's assuming President Biden does his job. That's not adequate. We've just got to educate the American public. I wish Speaker Johnson would be able to negotiate publicly with Joe Biden. And as Joe Biden, why can't these people stay south of the border? We're talking, to Glenn, we're talking to Glenn Grothman, congressman from the 6th Congressional District uh, in the great state of Wisconsin. Yeah, it's the victory hour. Welcome. Glad you've joined us. We're talking about uh, immigration and the border and what the Republicans can do. And we're talking uh, to the uh, chair of the subcommittee that handles issues with respect to the border and accountability. That's uh, Congressman Glenn Grothman. And we come back. We're going to continue our discussion about policy issues, both domestic and foreign policy. We're going to talk about inflation. We're going to talk about uh, the Israel-Hamas war. We're going to talk a little bit about Iran. Stay with us. Make sure you don't go far. ParkerDK.com, though, you could check out. Wise Counts of Winning Results, Parker Daniels Keyboards. Premier Law Firm, downtown Minneapolis. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
We're back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. Thank you once again for joining us for an education in government. You know, I I saw uh, one of these, you know, interview the guy on the street programs where they interviewed folks about whether they knew what the three branches of government were in the United States. And about nine out of 10 had no clue. Uh, And it's alarming. I mean, it's alarming. And these are the people, many of them of the age that are teaching our kids. And many of them were educators. And they didn't know. Where are we headed? We're talking today on the Victory Hour with Glenn Grothman, uh, congressman uh, from Wisconsin's 6th Congressional District. And very importantly, and it's one of the reasons, uh, other than the fact that Glenn is very smart and understands the importance of the foundational values and principles that this country was founded on. But one of the reasons uh, that it's, it's really wonderful to have him on the show is he is right in the crosshairs of some of the most important uh, uh, public policy decision-making of anyone in the country. He is on the Education and Workforce House Committee, which I'm just talking about the problems with education. It's, it's outrageous what we're teaching our kids from higher education uh, down to K-12. Uh, but he also serves as chairman of the Subcommittee on National Security, the Border, and Foreign Affairs. And we're going to talk about that uh, with him today, as well as the House Committee on the Budget. Let's turn to that as it relates to the budget. Uh, as I understand it, and most of my listeners at least feel every day, inflation has been a bit of a problem under President Joe Biden. I'm trying to remember back to Donald Trump's first, uh, his four years in office. And for many decades before that, I don't recall this kind of problem at this sort of level. Uh, what do you make of it, Congressman Grothman? And, and, is does the budget committee have anything uh, to say or do on that? Well, we're trying to hold down uh, the part of the budget that we call discretionary spending. Now, the bulk of the budget is mandatory spending, welfare programs, interest, interest. on the debt. Yeah. But we're trying to hold it down. Right now, if we're able to hold it for the year beginning October 1st, uh, 2023, to even – and that's a, a doable goal. I think we'd consider that a success. But what your listeners should know, and again and again, all I have in my office when I'm in Washington is person after person or group after group come in and say they wanted more money. We right now are already borrowing at least 22% of the amount of money we're going to spend this year. 22% borrowed. Can you imagine many of you back home, let's say you're making $80,000. Maybe I'll spend 97000 when I'm taking the 80,000, you couldn't do that for there for very long, but that's what's going on in Washington. Uh, I do what I can to try to publicize areas where maybe spending too much. And uh, hopefully we can get out of there with at least a rare year of undiscretionary spending, spending the same amount next or this year as we did last year. Well, 
Give us a little bit of an economics lesson. There are some people that say it doesn't matter how much we spend. That doesn't affect inflation. Well, what about throwing trillions well, of dollars into an economy from a macroeconomic standpoint? Isn't that going to affect inflation? Well, even Federal Reserve Chairman Powell, who is no conservative, yeah. tried to hit the panic button uh, a couple weeks ago and say, hey, this cannot go on. There are only one or two things to do, either dramatic raise in taxes or at least a little bit of restraint on the spending thing. And another thing for your listeners to remember why they should be especially worried about this. As interest rates go up, the biggest debtor in the country is old Uncle Sam. Right. So when interest rates go up, we have to pay more interest. Uh, and we should be making that up by spending less money other places. And the bottom line is when, t- you know, some people say, okay, if taxes have to go up, then taxes go up. No, it destroys the economy when taxes go up because it shrinks the pie less for everyone rather than growing the pie through growth of business in the economy. That's what tax policy does. Speak to that, uh, Congressman Grothman. Well, right. And the other thing is if you raise what we call the marginal rate on whether it's work, whether it's interest, whatever, people are going to work less hard or their investments are going to be done not for what's best for the economy, it's whatever hold down their taxes. And people have to realize that. That's one of the reasons why we did cut the corporate uh, income tax rate a few years ago, because we were not competitive with the rest of the world. But you can think of yourself at home. If you say should work overtime this weekend or not work overtime, well, if you were not paying any taxes, you may work overtime. If 40% or 45% of that additional money you're going to get is going to go to the government, you may well say, I'm not going to work. The government's going to grab 40 or 45% of it. These are the type of decisions that are made all over the country every day. And the higher that rate is, the less, quite frankly, money people are going to make, not just individuals, but corporations as well. Let's turn now to um, uh, the third committee uh, that I've mentioned that you're on, the House Committee on Education and the and the Workforce. Uh, people wring their hands quite often about education in this country and, and the fact as to where we used to rate worldwide and where we rank uh, now. And it isn't good. It isn't pretty. And it isn't headed in the right direction as woke culture has taken over uh, our education system, our educational uh, scoring levels have dropped substantially. And they were dropping even before that. What are you talking about on the education committee in the House? And what do you see uh, for policy that might be able to turn this around? Well, we had a hearing not long ago that was very publicized, and that was concerning anti-Semitism at some of America's most prestigious colleges. I thought it was great that that hearing received a nationwide response, because what we saw representing Harvard was a woman by the name of Claudine uh, Gay, who testified before committing quite frankly a fool out of herself. Okay, now Harvard, of course, depending on who's doing the counting, they talk about it being the second or third best university in the country. And nevertheless, we saw who was running the show there uh, and who, whoever was running the show decided to hire her in this position. I think the more we get this information out, 
the more it will educate the American public that A, you should stop getting into these universities, and B, for a lot of people in this country, a university education is not worthwhile at all. You know, earlier today, I was with a local uh, local high school, and they were uh, had a lot of really good guys, you know, doing shop class, going into the trades. They're going to make a lot more money than these psychology majors or social work majors. And I would encourage parents and grandparents to look at the colleges and universities your kids are going to. Because if gay and try to foist her off on the American public as somebody you want your children to go to. And by the way, just because she's not president doesn't mean they haven't kept paying her hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. to pollute the mind of the young kids who are dumb enough to go to Harvard. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we will have, I'm not the chairman of that committee, but hopefully we'll have other hearings looking at what other university administrators are thinking around the country. And I'll tell you, I bet there are a lot of Claudine Gays out there at universities all around the country. No doubt. No doubt. And that what they're doing, uh, congressmen at universities around the country, is teaching our kids, uh, both in terms of Middle East history, an entirely uh, false framework. Uh, of that history, and it yields and results in anti-Semitism. You know, easy for me to say, oh, you're a Jewish guy who supports Israel. No, this is about fact and fiction. It is about truth and lies. And there is not, well, there's a little truth in both sides. No, no, there, there isn't. The indigenous people uh, to the state of Israel are the Jewish people. Thousands of years before uh, and even before Islam existed, the indigenous people. So if you're going to make that argument that the indigenous people are the Palestinians, it's ridiculous. Just a blatant, outright <laughs> lie. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to make a couple of comments there. People do not, people are under the erroneous impression that the people who live in Gaza are put upon. And that is not true at all. Two statistics for your for your listeners. Right now, there are about 400 mosques in Israel proper. You know how many synagogues there are in Gaza? Zero. Right. So where would you rather live? Where's the tolerant place to live? Another thing that hasn't been publicized enough. Now, there were two places where people in Gaza got money from. One was welfare, living off primarily aid from Europe. But the other place is they worked in Israel. There's a long border between Gaza and Israel. They cross the border every day and take jobs there. Now, that is not, no longer going to happen because Israel is no longer going to want to have these people, you know, poking around their factories or hotels or whatever. Um, so what is going to happen? Who's going to take those jobs? In an underpublicized story, and I don't know what's going to become of it, there were efforts being made to get 25,000 people from Ecuador into Israel to do work there. Right now, we already have Thousands of people from India, from Bangladesh, from Philippines, from Vietnam, working in Israel. Did any of your listeners wonder why we had that horrific, horrific attack in October? Why there were um, hostages held from Thailand? Why people from Thailand were dying? Because people in Thailand were coming halfway around the world to work in Israel. It was such a great place to work. So here we have people from 
that uh, Southeast Asia. We have people from South America coming to Israel because they've done such a great job of building a great economy there that people from all around the world want to work there. And the Palestinians, including Hamas, are saying it's so horrible working in Israel that we've got to cut off the heads of babies. But I wish the mainstream media would do a better job of interviewing some of these people who've come halfway around the world to work in Israel and ask them how wonderful it is and why they're doing it. Absolutely. We're talking to Congressman Glenn Grothman from the 6th Congressional District of the state of Wisconsin. Uh, When we come back after this short break, we're going to continue the discussion. We've covered a number of issues of domestic policy. We're going to turn to foreign policy. We started that already now talking about the the Israeli-Palestinian war. People call it the Israeli-Hamas war. I I believe more appropriately is the Israeli-Palestinian war. Hamas are Palestinians. They are all Palestinians, the Hamas. So if you try to claim, oh, no, it's just this little group of Hamas. No, it's not. It's a very large group. Latest survey, 75% of all Palestinians support Hamas. That's in the West Bank and in Gaza. That is not uh, some fringe element. That's the Palestinians. And it's unfortunate. It's very sad that they have been educated for, uh, with such hate. The Victory Hour will be right back. Glenn Grothman will be here. You stay tuned. Go to ParkerDK.com. We're back. Welcome. Pull out your number two pencil and your yellow pad. In just a couple short weeks, Brad Finstead will be with us on the Victory Hour. And shortly after that, Congressman Zach Nunn from the state of Iowa will be with us on the Victory Hour. Pete Stauber will be joining us. Michelle Fishbach, Tom Emmer. All as we continue, and I think we're going to get Dean Phillips back on the show. <laughs> we're going to see, Dean, Dean, explain, please, for our listeners, your vote against Israel aid. Okay? Uh, we just need an explanation on your vote. It was a no vote. We're going to try to get Rashida Tlaib on the show, but, of course, that isn't going to happen where she could explain her vote of present for the uh, statement about the October 7th Hamas attacks and the deplorability of them. No, no, she voted present. She couldn't quite support a resolution that uh, uh, condemns rape and uh, attacks on women. Let's let's lead there. We're talking to Congressman Glenn Grothman from Wisconsin. He is on the subcommittee. Uh, that deals in the House of Representatives that deals with foreign affairs and and national security. So there's a resolution, Congressman, that is put to a vote. All all uh, congr- uh, House uh, representatives from the House of Representatives get 
get to vote. I mean, all 435, you get to speak and, and you know, there are only 535 in all of Congress, 535 people in the entire country that get to vote on these issues. Well, in the House, it's 435, and the resolution comes up, can we, should we, is it, yes, it is condemnation of rape and attack and the killing of women. And Rashida Tlaib votes present. I, I, what what do we do with that? Well, uh, I think she's appealing to a given element and a sadly not a small element of Democrat voters in her district. And they are so hateful, if you see the demonstrations of Israel, that uh, she had a hard time taking the obvious vote there. But that's a problem we have with this country. It's a problem to a certain extent. We should be paying attention to who we're letting in this country because uh, I know someone else from the Michigan area. They're getting a lot of pressure to vote hostile to Israel. Yeah, And that's because too many people in this country have been let in. And uh, kind of with this super anti-Semitic hatred, and uh, that's a problem, you know. And it's something to remember about as we talk about immigration. Too many people say, well, they're going to come here, they're going to work hard. If they're going to work hard, we want them here. Well, it's not just a matter of are you working hard. It's a matter of what are your values. And uh, exactly. she, we know her values. I don't know. She's maybe a hard worker. I don't know. Maybe she works her butt off when she goes back home in Michigan. But I, I'm not thrilled to have her here regardless. No, I mean, the members, uh, the, the halls of Congress should not be filled with uh, bigoted, hateful people. And when we find them, uh, at least in the Republican Party, we more often than not drum them out and they, they, they don't return. I remember back in the days when David Duke would run as a, a Republican. He was drummed out of the party and he no longer was a part of the Republican Party. But the Democratic Party now has got a whole group of people that is only growing, it's not getting smaller, that has the same hateful attitude toward various minority groups, including, though they would claim that they are oppressors, the Jews. It's, 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 it's an outrage, and the censure vote of Rashida Tlaib, I think, was instructive as well. She got support, or at least they didn't vote to censure, from many in the... Democratic uh, caucus. Well, well, we can we can talk there about what's wrong with the Democrat Party before this happened. And I assume by now most Democrats hopefully have woken up. But insofar as what you call Palestinian-Israeli conflict, a majority of Democrats sided with the Palestinians. Why is I think a lot of it is. There's this self-hatred in this country that causes people not to own the country. And when they look at that part of the world, they see a Western country, a successful Western country, bordering a crooked uh, third world country, which is to say Gaza. And they instinctively don't like the country that, quite frankly, is a lot of the United States. And they instinctively, therefore, have sympathy for this corrupt country whose leaders are siphoning off hundreds of millions of dollars and go live in Turkey or Qatar or somewhere. And that's who they sympathize with. 
Yeah. Now, I think when you begin to cut off the heads of little babies, you can't even sympathize with that. But that is the the Democrat mindset. We are going to s- sympathize with the corrupt, immoral crowd uh, and assume that the successful, hardworking country of Israel with Western values got that way by taking money from other people, which is not true. They got that way by being honest and hardworking. And honest, hardworking countries succeed. As exhibited by the United States and the values that we hold near and dear. And your point about people coming into this country, they don't need to have the exact same values as we do. There's a broad spectrum of values and a very large umbrella. But sometimes you get outside of that umbrella. When it's okay for you to see babies' heads cut off or burned alive in front of their parents, that is a value system we will not accept and we should never accept. And having allowing people across the border to become citizens of this country who believe in that or who would engage in that is a significant problem and it is our responsibility to make sure that it doesn't happen. Absolutely. We do not want that type of people in our country. They do not share values. Uh, I think it was um, John Adams, or no, it was uh, Benjamin Franklin who said in our Constitution, uh, a republic if you can keep it. Yeah. And if we're going to keep our wonderful republic, we've got to have good people who understand the values our republic is built on. We do not need the type of people who are voting for uh, Rashid Talab. We do not need more of those people in this country because that will be the death of America. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I am a big immigration guy. I believe the doors should be big and wide and let people into this country who go through a process that we lay out. doesn't have to be difficult or restrictive, but we have to know and have a certain order and a process. Speaking uh, with Congressman Glenn Grothman from the great state of Wisconsin. Uh, and, you know, when I first saw what was happening on October 7th, first thing I thought was Iran has their fingerprints all over this. It is my belief, and I have said it a number of times on this show, and I'd like your comments and thoughts regarding it, is that peace in the Middle East starts and may end, but certainly starts with Iran. If Iran is not changed or does not change, there will not be peace in the Middle East. Well, that's true. Whether you're looking at Hamas, whether you're looking at Hezbollah from Lebanon, whether you're looking from the Houthis in Yemen, wherever you look, the aggressors upsetting the peace in that area, they're getting money from Iran. And Iran doesn't really even hide it. I mean, their hatred for America, their hatred of Israel, uh, it's out there for all to see. And it's a problem. And uh, as I understand from everybody I talk to, it's not like Palestine where everybody's behind it. I think a lot of people in Iran don't really like the, the government there. But they're there. Uh, and it's something we're monitoring until we get something that I think the majority of, of Iranian people wish they could have. Can I make one other comment on, by the way, on, on the citizens coming here? Yeah, yeah, sure, on immigration. 
Yeah, you're going to have people say that America is being unfair and we aren't letting people in here. If you look at the last four years and things go up and down, you go back 100 years. There has never been a time like the last four years in which we have had so many people sworn in as new American citizens. Anybody who says we're being impossible to come here, da da da, da or xenophobic, in the last four years, more people have been sworn in than any other four-year period. Wow. That's, uh, that's not know. a fact people know. No, it isn't. Oh, I should know it. Let me ask you, uh, Glenn, we got about a minute before our next uh, break. Uh, I want to talk about Wisconsin uh, a minute. Wisconsin is a critical state in the upcoming presidential election. It may be the most critical state, uh, shockingly, because, you know, Michigan's going to go one way or another. I don't know that it's going to be that close. Uh, And Pennsylvania, same thing. Uh, North Carolina, same thing. Uh, Nevada, probably as well. I still think that's a Democrat state, but people may argue with me. Georgia and Arizona are are going to be two critical states. The problem is Donald Trump angered a number of uh, uh, John McCain supporters down in Arizona. And when you do that and you expect to win as a Republican, it makes it very difficult to win Arizona, which is why he lost Arizona. Uh, You know, it was a very close uh, election and some are still fighting over it. But Wisconsin... As a Republican, I think you have to win Wisconsin in order to win this next election. And how does it look in Wisconsin for the Republicans? Um, It's going to be very close. You know, four years ago, we lost Wisconsin by 20,000 votes. Right. Which in a statewide election is not much. Um, We certainly have the issues on our side. Uh, on the border, you can talk about from 20,000 to 370,000 all day long. We've had busloads coming into Wisconsin now. I hope the American people wake up. Uh, I think the only way the Democrats can win this is kind of obfuscate and lie. And uh, I think President Trump, I mean, I was once named as his number one supporter. I, I'm hoping he dials down. You mentioned some of the rhetoric on John McCain. Yeah. Hope some of that stuff is dialed down a little bit this time because I do run into people who, uh, you know, it, it turns them off, quite frankly. And, it, you know, we've got to vote on the issues. But, you know, they say, well, Glenn, I, you know, I'm just not going to go there. And uh, I think we can win this time. I think we're going to do a better job of getting people to vote early. And it's Republicans in Wisconsin to vote late. That hurts us. Um, I think some of the racial rhetoric, which maybe we can talk about some other time coming from Joe Biden, yeah. uh, the, the divisive racial thing, if it's used, can help us a little bit. Um, everybody in the country is to put up with the high interest rates, tough to buy a house for the young people. I think we can win, but man, we cannot afford to lose any votes unnecessarily. Yeah, I think that's how close Wisconsin is, and we're going to have to send our troops uh, of uh, Republican uh, poll watchers into Milwaukee and make sure that those votes are counted correctly. Uh, Right. 
Milwaukee and Madison, Dane County. And uh, yeah. one of the problems we have in this country is these liberal universities. Yeah. And of course, it's not the students, even though that's a problem. It's all the people who work for the university and all the state employees in Madison. A, a big problem uh, where they stand right now politically. That's Congressman Glenn Grothman. Glenn, thank you so much once again for joining us on the Victory Hour. I want to have you on again. It was so insightful and a pleasure to see you. I'm going to be out in D.C. in a couple of months, and I'm going to uh, stop by your office. Well, we look forward to seeing you. We're going to have another hearing on the border in the next two or three weeks, and uh, hopefully it's covered. But thanks much for having me. Enjoy enjoy being on the show. Love that bumper music, too. Thank you, Glenn. Glenn Grothman, 6th Congressional District, state of Wisconsin. And uh, Wisconsin's going to be ground zero, I think, for the next presidential election. Stay with us. We have yet another segment. And, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap it up this Sunday and uh, head off to the... I'll be uh, in the great state. Well, the the great country of uh, the only Jewish state in the world. That is the state of Israel coming up uh, in the next 10 days. Yes, indeed. I'm very much uh, looking forward to it. I'm going to try to visit the Gaza border, in fact, and pray with some of the Israeli Defense Forces. We'll be right back after the short one. Smart Plane Talk. It's the Victory Hour. Stay with us. We're back. It's a bebop and Sunday, the victory hour. That was a great discussion with uh, Congressman Grothman. Number of things that some of you may have been unaware of. I, mean, I, I know your sentiments probably track, but uh, some of those statistics and background. That's why we like to have members of important committees, chairs of important subcommittees on the Victory Hour. And uh, the Congressional Parade continues, as I mentioned uh, in the previous, uh, during, during the previous uh, segment. I talked about the fact that we're going to have uh, Brad Finstad on the show in a couple of weeks, and then right after we'll have Zach Nunn on the show we're going, uh, from the state of Iowa. I'm going to try to get uh, Kelly Armstrong and Dusty Johnson, the two Congress people from uh, congressmen from South Dakota and uh, it'd be North Dakota and South Dakota, respectively. Uh, and then back here in Minnesota, Michelle Fishbach will be on the show along with uh, Pete Stauber and Tom Emmer. We hope to get back. Angie Craig will be coming on the show. Spoke with her uh, informally just, geez, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. She's going to come back on the show. Staunch supporter of the state of Israel, Angie Craig. Not like all the Democrats, I'll tell you. We need more Democrat voices to the extent they're going to get elected anyway. You know, and she's kind of in a swing district, who knows. But there are a number who are not and who are going to be elected and get to vote on important issues such as 
aid to the state of Israel. And the Democratic Party has to join the Republicans in passing such aid. (coughs) It's important. Tina Smith has moved away from the state of Israel a bit, it appears. Uh, She speaks more about what Israel is doing to others than she uh, does about what the corruption that exists in the Palestinian areas and more so what has horrifically been done to the state of Israel, the atrocities. And I know she knows them and I know she feels uh, horrified by them. There is no question about that. We'll see how her votes come down in the next several months. As I said, Wisconsin, key to the next presidential election. Got to win Wisconsin. Thank you for joining us on the Victory Hour. We'll uh, be here next Sunday, the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that, four, uh, after that, 4 o'clock, 1280 a.m., the Patriot. Until those times, I want to wish you adieu and have a great week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>